Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. It's Labor Day. Hope that you were able to get out and celebrate with some friends and family. It's a work day here for us, uh, which every day is, uh, by and large. So we have the show today. we got Mike Leach uh, this afternoon. So we'll have full coverage of Mike Leach's press conference in anticipation of this weekend's game uh, for Arizona later today over at jeanspage.com. Be sure to go check that out. All of it will be free. We'll have transcript, a lot of other things. Be sure and check it out. And, uh, of course, recapping the Memphis game, we'll do that here on the show too. That will be a big part of our show today. And we'll look around the Southeastern Conference. Pretty crazy finish last night in New Orleans between LSU and Florida State. It's all the talk today. Uh, in the world of college football. I want to take a few moments, if we can, to and uh, offer our support 
our thoughts and prayers and everything that we can for uh, our folks there in Jackson that are dealing with this water crisis. I'm not going to make uh, a lot of, you know, political comments about all this because this is something that, uh, you know, from what they tell us has been decades in the making. So there are plenty of people that we could assign blame to. But uh, here's the thing about life is uh, just fix it, right? Instead of wasting all this time and emotional energy and pointing fingers to figure out who to blame, let's just fix the problem. Uh, one of the things that I learned years ago, when I worked for Heilig Myers Furniture, I worked for them for eight and a half years. I would have worked for them forever. But uh, of course, had they not filed bankruptcy, I wouldn't be your good friend and host more than likely. But all that said, they used to send out this thought of the day, or thought of the week, excuse me. We'd get this packet from RGO, which was the Richmond General Office, and they'd always be like, hey, what's going on? This is on sale this week, and here's some supply chain issues, or whatever. Whatever they needed to communicate to us. And of course, this is in the infancy of the internet, back when we still had fax machines and things like that. But the reality of it is, is I only remember one of those thoughts. And maybe it's because it applied to me. Maybe it resonated with me because I was a bit of an excuse maker at that point in my career. But it said people would learn a lot more from their mistakes if they weren't so busy denying that they made them. That's kind of how we are with this thing. Instead of everybody figuring out it's your fault, it's my fault, whatever, let's just fix the problem. There are people who are suffering. The quality of life has been reduced to basically that of a third world country. And so let's get it fixed. And I understand it's a complicated issue. It's been, again, decades of, uh, of misuse and uh, poor maintenance. But the reality of it is there's a lot of people tonight that can't uh, go get a glass of water out of, the, out of the spigot. you know. And maybe you haven't done that for a long time. But uh, having clean drinking water seems to be something that we should never take for granted. And the fact that so many people there have paid uh, many tax dollars to have clean drinking water and have municipal services. They're, they're not getting a good return on their investment. There are several business people down there, of course, that their ability to conduct business has been impeded. And so I, I share that today, again, not, not to point the finger. That's easy to do. It's always good to, to blame, you know, quote, the other side. And that, that is one of the blights on society today is that as soon as there is an issue, we want to turn it into a Republican and a Democrat thing. And it's not always that simple. There's always some measure of accountability for both sides in many respects. And so, again, I'm not going to get political today. But uh, for those of you that are dealing with that, uh, we do support you and uh, re really encourage to see so many people you know, kind of delivering free water to our capital city. Uh, so, again, uh, let's get it fixed. Let's uh, thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company more than a friend. You will, too, if you don't already. It is a love affair that is very faithful. I know when I go there what I'm going to get. Great food at a great price with great service and a great atmosphere. It doesn't matter if it's a night out with friends or if it's a family affair. I know what to expect when I go there. There is consistency in the production at Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas with a brand new patio area. Many of you were able to enjoy that this past game day weekend. How cool was that? Uh, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Roots and Flowood area, and then uh, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Be sure and check them out. You'll be glad you did. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you and everybody around you better looking. It is the best appetizer in the Golden Triangle. And have that great restaurant-quality hamburger. You'll be glad you did. It's one of the fine delicacies in life. You can get that straight-ahead Bulldog Burger. 
But if you're like me, maybe you want to walk a little bit on the wild side. Let me encourage you to venture out a little bit and try some of their other gourmet hamburgers. You'll be glad you did. You can get it on a regular bun. You can get it on a gluten-free bun. You can get it on a bed of lettuce. There is a Bulldog Burger opportunity just waiting for you in those generous portions. A lot of people are, are charging you more and giving you less. Not a Bulldog Burger company. You always get more than your money's worth when you visit that fine establishment. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's jump into Mississippi State's first of many wins this season. And we'll start be, uh, with our first half here, as we should. An, an adventurous game, thanks to that, what, two-plus-hour weather delay. But I thought the Bulldogs really kind of came out with uh, some urgency we discussed on this show, and I wrote an article last week, how the, the fast start was so important for Mississippi State because Memphis is well-coached. Now, I understand we kind of out-athleted them, but they're well-coached, and they didn't quit. To their credit, they didn't quit. State absolutely hammered them for the better part of uh, two and a half quarters, and they didn't quit. You can tell they have some pride in what they're doing. But State comes right out and punches them right in the mouth and makes them like it. All right, so we open up state wins to toss elects to get the uh, the football first. Will Rogers' first completion of the 2022 season to Rara Thomas for seven yards. Out to the MSU 32. We go right to Jaquavius Marks. Ran the football 34 times. You probably didn't expect that to happen, and and that's good. I mean, you take what the defense gives you, and of course, you know the chances of us having a hundred yard rush are, are pretty slim at times. We were very effective running the football. Thought the offensive line held up, did a good job in both respects. But we get uh, six yards there from Woody. Uh, gives us a six, six and a half, I guess. Gives us a second and a long three. Excuse me. It gives us the first down. My notes are wrong. All right, so then we go right back to Woody. He gives us three off the right side. Uh, we hit Ra-Ra for 12. How cool is that? Ra-Ra already rolling. And we had a good camp. We expected him to be a good receiver, a really good ball game for him, a really good quarter for him. All right, so that makes us another first downs. First and 10 near midfield. We run up the middle and get nothing. One of the only gains that we had, one of the only running plays we had that didn't go for positive yardage. Second and 10, we uh, throw it out to Dylan Johnson who gets, uh, gets, gets a dozen yards here. And if this is a play I remember, this is when Dollar Bill absolutely peeled back. You saw Matt, Matt Wyatt uh, share that. But uh, you get that first down. You get that big gain because of the great play of Dollar Bill Johnson there. So a lot of moving parts of that. Everybody did their job. On first and 10, we uh, allowed DJ to run it for one-yard gain. And then we swing it back out to Dylan Johnson on the right side for eight. Brings up a very manageable third and one. And everybody in the, in the ballpark thinking, let's run it. We ought to be able to run it. We do. We get the three yards on the first down. Very next play, we throw the slant to Ra-Ra. He bounces off the tackle, takes it outside, and into the end zone 23 yards later. Extra point is good. Makes it 7 nothing Mississippi State. All right, so we need to stop, right? Well, we get one. Now, give uh, Memphis a little credit here. They come out showing a little aggressiveness. They hit Gabe Rogers for a dozen yards, gives him a first down. And then after that... Things did not go well. They uh, run off left side for a loss of four yards, brings up second and 14. That's so huge for us. You heard, uh, you know, you, if you read my comments last week uh, and listened to the show, they wanted to stay on schedule and try to get four to five yards on first down. They lose four and get behind the chains here. Then 
Uh, complete short to uh, Eddie Lewis for eight. We make a good tackle out there in space. Buki Watson doing the honors. Makes it third and six. And then we give up. We get a sack. The only sack we had of the evening. We flush him. Nathan Pickering, and Buki Watson clean it up there. Makes it fourth and eight. And then nice punt from them. 51-yard punt. Fair call by Austin Williams to 12. Now you're thinking, let's go find a way to you know, extend the lead. So that was the plan. And, uh, you know, we kind of get going here. Dylan Johnson rushes up the middle for four. We were complete to Wally for nine. And uh, Will Rogers, eight for his first eight, really came out hot. Complete left to, to Tula Griffin. A little bit of a flag route there for 16 yards. Brings up a first and 10 all the way out to the 41. Incomplete to Jameer Calvin. And then incomplete to Jaquavius Marks. Broken up there uh, by Sincere Evans. Makes it third and 10. And rather than fold... We find Tulu Griffin for pretty much a sliding catch there at the Memphis 44 for the first down. And at this point, you feel like, you know what, hey, we're good to go. And then, um, you know, things changed. Things got a little crazy. And I, let me say this before we get much further. To all of you that stayed, I, I mean, not sitting in judgment of anybody that left. I, I get it. I mean, the, the, the prospects of sitting out there you know, in the rain for you know, a few more hours and not knowing when the game would restart, I, I get it. But for those of you that stayed, man, you guys are the truest of the true maroon. We appreciate uh, your contributions. And especially the students, man, I thought the students were outstanding. The students that stayed really, I thought, really kind of captivated the rest of us, but also, too, you know, really did a good job kind of representing Mississippi State. We come back out. Somebody took forever. Dylan Johnson and runs for five yards to the Memphis 39. We're complete to DJ for four, which brings up a third and one. And then right there in the middle, we're finding some success on the interior. Told you guys all camp, I felt good about the interior of this offensive line. They were getting good push most of the night. Then Dylan Johnson runs off right side for 10 and another first down. At the Memphis 22, we're complete to Jaden Wiley across the middle for a dozen. Makes it first and goal at the 10. Woody Marks then runs for one, again up the middle. And then we hit Jaden Wiley for a touchdown. Extra point is good. It's 14 nothing. And at this point, you kind of began to wonder, is Memphis going to be able to stop us? The answer to that question, uh, yeah, a little bit. But some of that was due to our own uh, inability to execute. All right, Memphis takes over um, at their 35. And that's, if there is one thing that I can say, if we want to look for teachable moments, our kickoff coverage wasn't great. Our kickoff attempts weren't great, by and large. They were good, not great. But the ball comes down to two, and it's a 33-yard return. So all of a sudden, even though it's a 14 nothing ball game, Memphis is in decent field position to start the drive. Hennigan is in incomplete, broken up by Colin Duncan. Incomplete again. Um, I guess I missed a play here. Brendan Thomas on first down ran for two yards. And back-to-back incompletions makes it fourth and eight. And then uh, it's a punt, 40 yards. Austin Williams pulls in at 25. So that closes out the first quarter. Mississippi State, 14-0 lead, and uh, Memphis just not able to do much on offense. We have a chance here to really, really, really get after them. We let them hang around a little bit here. And I've read some comments, too. And, again, here's the thing. Football's a team game. People make mistakes. They do. Will Rogers threw the interception. This was not on Will Rogers based on what I saw and what I have learned. Memphis is showing blitz. Will Rogers sees that, expecting Jameer Calvin to run the hot route there, which is the slant. 
Quindell Johnson gets on top of that. I don't know if Jameer just didn't read it, but he goes out there and kind of curls and never gets inside. And, and you'd like to see Jameer at least try to break that thing up. But uh, there's an interception. It's an unfortunate thing. And they'll get on the same page. And you would think these guys have played together for a year. They should be. But, you know, sometimes in the heat of the battle, one guy reads something, the other doesn't. Uh, so maybe that's something Will and Jameer can work out between uh, you know, now and the next time. But they pick it off, and they're set up in pretty good shape there at our 28. Defense stands tall, though. Doesn't allow much to happen here at all. Brandon Thomas runs for three yards, and Brandon Thomas runs for one, brings up a third and six, and the pass is incomplete. Broken up by Jalen Green. And this a great play, too. When you go back and watch this, I don't know if you can cover it any better. Green is basically in uh, uh, Mark Hall's back pocket, and then right as the ball gets there, shows really good ball skills, bats the ball away, brings up a fourth and six. They convert on the field goal. Now it's a 14-3 ball game. That's a win for the defense. You give up a, a turnover, you know, inside your own 30, and you only give up three points. you got to feel pretty good about life. All right, kickoff, filled it at the two, and then Tulu gets loose. 37 yards out to the MSU 30. Now, we talked about that last week, too, about there could be an opportunity for Tulu because it was basically every other kick last year for Memphis. They did a better job this year of getting the touchback, but this is one that they didn't hit quite perfectly. The next thing you know, we're out to our own 39. Dylan Johnson runs right side out to the state 41, incomplete to uh, Rufus Harvey. And we find Rufus at midfield for the first down. Rufus had a really good game for us, too. All right, <laughs> we go back to Rara, who has it for 12 more inside the Memphis 40. Woody Marks runs for a one-yard gain or left the middle. And then we hit Caleb Ducking for 33. Really, really nice game for Caleb Ducking. I was eager for you guys to see him. Now that you've seen him in a game, you know, where he's actually played meaningful snaps, I think you kind of get what we were so excited about him in fall camp. First and goal at the Memphis 4. Now, here's the, thing, here's the Caleb Ducking effect, too. They can't guard him. So when we get in the red zone, people grab and hold and things like that and try to get him out of his steps and off his route. And so he is impacting the play even when maybe he's not making the reception because he draws so much attention. When you got a guy that long with that kind of catch radius, especially in the red zone, you just simply can't afford. You just can't afford it. Now, before we get to this next play, when Will threw that ball up and Caleb went and got it, I actually thought he underthrew it. I thought he was going for the deeper receiver, but he didn't. He led Ducking, and Ducking goes up. Incredible ball skills, makes the catch there. Very emphatic afterwards. And so then we try to go back to him, and Cameron Smith holds inside, hooks him at the hip, an easy call. Now it's first and goal at the two. This time we, we lay it up to Ducking. Ball placement wasn't great here. We left that ball inside. You throw it outside, maybe you've got a chance to pull that down. Makes it second and two. And um, we come back and we, we hit it down to, uh, to Austin Williams. And a great job here by the Memphis defender as Austin steps towards the goal line and begins to stretch it out. A, a nice t- tackle there to keep him short of the goal line. And he was short. The only reception that Austin had on the evening. I expect him to be a lot more involved at Arizona. And then we give it to Woody, who uh, gets in on third and one. And that's the thing, people. Steve, we got to run it at red zone. But we did. We did. We did. All right, so the uh, extra point is good. And uh, now it's a 21-3 game. We do the directional kick here. Ben Rabin kicks it uh, 
and Memphis fields it at the three, and they get it out to the 20. Nick Mitchell on the tackle there. But uh, a little bit better job here. We were able to defend us a little bit better. So we give up 33 yards on the previous return, and then that's basically cut in half this time. And as a result, uh, you know, field position, much better. All right, now it's a 21-3 ball game, and Memphis, again, can get nothing going offensively here. Hennigan uh, completed Jason Ivory for just two yards. We did a great job of tackling in space, too. Sometimes we'd go cloud coverage and then just kind of hammer them underneath. Did a really good job with that. Uh, Hennigan then rushes for two, and, and basically it wasn't a design quarterback run, if I remember correctly. He got flushed here. Jed Johnson, Jordan Davis on the tackle. And then incomplete. Uh, we flush the guy here, and he kind of has to throw across his body here. And that's the thing, too. I read some people saying, I didn't think our pass rush was great. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. When you've got a team like Memphis, it's going to work the field horizontally and not so much vertically. I and mean, they took some shots late when the game got, got away from them. But, you know, they're trying to get the ball out quick, get it out there in the perimeter, kind of make it a two-man game out there, a four-man game. And so they're going to make you run sideline to sideline to try to begin that war of attrition to kind of wear your defensive line out, which eventually opens up a lot more things offensively. But uh, we did a good job kind of getting out and, and defending that. All right, uh, so we get to uh, get the ball back here on the, another punt. Austin Williams fair caught it at the 29. So State gets the ball 844 to go in the half. Will Rogers completed Jameer Calvin. It's a one-yard loss, and this is the play they reviewed. I, I thought it was incomplete. You know, Memphis thought it was a fumble, and then lo and behold, the replay official says, no, it was a reception, and then uh, his knee was down. And so it's a one-yard loss. We go to uh, Woody Marks there. Woody really running with some authority here. Gets nine yards, brings up a very manageable third and two. We find Jameer Calvin, and listen, Will, I thought, and maybe you know, the ball was a little bit wet, so let's not be real critical here. I think that time some of the intermediate stuff that our ball placement was off a little bit. But Calvin, a great job to adjust here and go down and make this catch to extend the drive. Then we find uh, Woody Marks for a dozen more. Allow Woody to run it for five. Now we're inside the Memphis 40, and it feels like State's on the verge of putting this game away. We hit Jameer Calvin for five. We were incomplete. Uh, to Dylan Johnson here. The quarterback got in his face. I think Will basically just made the judicious decision here and threw the ball away. We're complete to Simeon Price, and this is one of my favorite plays in the game. We line him up in the backfield. We motion him left to give us numbers. Basically makes it a 3-2 deal out there. Austin Williams with a great initial block, and then Tulu Griffin gets a nice chip out there that opens up the sidelines. Price puts his foot in the ground and gets upfield for 20 yards. Really nice, really nice play design there and very well executed, and you get an explosive play out of it. First and 10 now at the Memphis 14. DJ runs for three off the right side. Uh, we're complete to Rufus Harvey for just a couple. Gets it inside the 10. And what do we do? We go back to ducking. What do they do? Uh, they can't defend him, so they have to hold him. So now all of a sudden we get first and goal with the four. Probably forced this one a little bit, trying to get everybody involved, trying to get Rufus a touchdown. Didn't work out here. Uh, second and four, then incomplete uh, to Tulu. But lo and behold, what happens? It's a P.I. Guys, they could have called P.I. on three different Memphis DBs, either defensive holding or P.I. If you go when you watch it, and especially if you can watch the other angles, they, they were terrified here, and they're grabbing and holding. And I don't know if they're just tired of chasing us or whatever, but the reality of it is that the officials had their pick here. And so they called the, the PI on Greg Rubin, 
Makes it first and goal at the two. Incomplete to Rufus Harvey. And then this is when we run the little quarterback keeper thing. Doesn't work out for us. Will doesn't get, get anything here. Third and two, we give it to Woody and we're in the end zone. You know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of the uh, running game inside the five. So we try a couple of things and work out. We go back to Woody and it gets us in the end zone. Extra point is good. It's 28-3. And at this point, I know nobody's ever come back from a 28-3 deficit, right? Well, they have. But you started feeling pretty good about life right here. Memphis then, uh, they get the ball again. Um, decent return, 28 yards. I mean, that, that's got to get better. That, that's, we can't let people – you say, what, well, Steve, it's just six yards. I mean, the touchback could be 25. That's true. But, it, you know, when are we going to miss a tackle and somebody really get loose and gashes? We've got to do a better job on kick return coverage. We have to. All right, so they start to drive with their 31. Hennigan is then complete to Asa Martin. For just a one-yard gain, Jalen Green on the tackle there. I thought Jalen Green was a nice game. Hennigan then completes Asa Martin again for four, brings up a third and five. They're incomplete, broken up by Decam. Secondary played well for Mississippi State. Another punt. This time, Austin elects to return it. And so we get it out to the 31, and then there's two penalties on the play. They assess the block in the back. There was also a holding. But, uh, again, the first time we attempt a true punt return and, you know, special teams play – in some respects, was better. You know, we, like our punting was good. Our field goal kicking was good. We didn't, you know, extra point kicking was good. All that was good. But uh, being able to execute these returns and to cover, we got to do a better job there. And, again, it's just week one. I'm not, I'm not in any way trying to suggest that, you know, we're a finished product. But got to do a better job. All right, so after the penalty is assessed, we take over to 16. We're trying to run a little clock here. We give it to DJ. He runs for three gains and then a, a pretty bad face mask here. Moves it out to the 34, and you start thinking, do you take a chance here? We don't, which I think was the right decision because of the fact they get the ball first coming out of the half. All of a sudden, you give them, you know, a ball near midfield. They get a chance to get some points on the board. They could go, you know, two for one on you. And so then we, uh, we complete it to uh, Caleb Ducking, which uh, runs out the half. So 28-3, Memphis had 29 yards. At this point in the ballgame, 29 offensive yards at this point in the ballgame. All right, let's get it. Having to hire a new employee sometimes is the absolute worst, right? We've all been there. If you've got your own small business, I mean, you're, you're trusting your livelihood. You're trusting your baby, your blood, sweat, and tears with somebody perhaps you don't know very well. That's why you got to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. You got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. How cool is that? There have been times in the past I've made hiring decisions when I was desperate for an employee. It's been nice to have had a partner to help me screen through some of this and make sure that I get people that fit the specific skill set I'm looking for. It's so easy to go make a free ad today at LinkedIn. Maybe you should. And then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it much easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to actually meet, interview, and ultimately hire. It's important to have the right team. It's why every small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering Quality hires versus your leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster 
than ever before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash boneyard. That's linkedin.com slash boneyard to post your job for free. Some terms and conditions may apply. The second half here. Again, Bulldog defense playing well. Offense playing well. You think, okay, let's go ahead and let's put the dagger in them. And that was the thing last year. You remember we had a 10-point lead at the break. We force a turnover, and then we get nothing from it, which allows them to kind of stay in the ball game. We ultimately lose. You know, State, again, we get a defensive stop here. We don't get the turnover. But, uh, you know, they open up. And, again, this, is, this, is a, this was a decent situation here. We kick it short and away from Asa Martin, and he has to basically dive and cover the kick at the Memphis 17. So I don't know if that was a called play or we just didn't execute properly, but this one actually worked out pretty well. Okay, so Memphis takes over at their 17, complete to, uh, to Markel Jones for three, incomplete to Asa Martin, Judd Johnson, all in Hennigan's face here. And you notice they did a lot of, like, rollout action, too, to kind of get away from the pressure. That is a symptom of a couple different things. Number one, we're winning some battles at the line of scrimmage, rolling them out to give them a little time, simplify the decision-making process. But also, too, I think the fact that we were – Throwing so much at Hennigan, I think they wanted to kind of simplify his decision-making process. Good quarterback, for sure. Hennigan then is um, incomplete to Eddie Lewis, or excuse me, complete to Eddie Lewis on the third and seven. And a great tackle by Jed Johnson to keep him short of the sticks, and it's another punt. Austin returns this one, we get a couple yards, no penalty flags. So now we set up shop at the 40. The first drive of the second half is always one of those things that is important on both sides of football. So we handle the first part of that equation by, you know, we get a three and out. You know, short of a turnover, it's the best case scenario. And then you get decent field position here. It's a good job by the Bulldog defense to give us a running start on offense to open up the half. We come out again, and it's pretty clear at this point, even though the game is somewhat lopsided, that uh, we're going to be able to run the football with some success. That's exactly what we do. We come out and run four consecutive. And when's the last time you've seen that happen? when Mike Leach has been in Starkville. Kind of softened him up a little bit. Woody Marks, again, running hard, running physical. We get five at the middle. We go right back to him to get four more. Now it's third and one, and then Woody gets seven. I mean, if, if that's going to happen for us, all of a sudden these linebackers, you know, they're going to all of a sudden have to be very uh, very honest in their assessments that are just bailing out and trying to cut off those crossing routes. You're going to have to play football. We go right back to, to the run game here. We go to Dylan Johnson now for nine yards. Now we're all the way down to the 35. So, again, everybody doing their job here. And we open up with a, you know, a drive at our 40. And then four plays later, four ground gains later, we're inside the Memphis 40 set up at their 35. Incomplete to Dylan Johnson, broken up by Carmonte Hamilton, which brings up – that was on second one, excuse me. Yeah. So, third and one, we make the long pass to Caleb Ducking. I don't know that Will Rogers has thrown a prettier pass in his life than he threw on this fade. They're loading up. They're expecting us to run. We've kind of baited them into that line of thinking. You know, we've run and run and run and run and run on this drive. They understand that this is a very significant drive. They're already down four scores, and they're about to go down uh, 32 points. Game is getting away from them. They load up. <laughs> they run man coverage. And we absolutely torch them with this. And this is what you have to do. This is the beauty of the air raid right here. Is when they're thinking run, 
and they have to take a gamble. We recognize it, and that's what having a mature quarterback like Will Rogers does. Ducking gets a great release off the line, and then it's basically like Will Rogers walked out there and just handed it to him. He could not have thrown the football better. 35 yards into the end zone. Congratulations to Caleb Ducking. And then all your receivers are doing, <laughs> doing the duck. Missed opportunity for us to not do the quack-quack thing. I mean, honest, Red, are you listening? When Caleb Ducky makes a play, that needs to become a thing. We're, we're hunters around here anyway. You should, you know, we should have the duck call. All that said, it's a 35-3 ball game after the extra point is good. And at this point, we're thinking, you know what? We're fixing to hang 70 on these jokers. And then we kind of got in a little bit of a lull here. You know, then I think offensively, you know, maybe we tried to do a little bit too much. And, you know, you want to get some touches for everybody. But, you know, we, we didn't do a lot of good stuff here. Uh, defensively, you know, we're still playing pretty well here. So they're incomplete to Eddie Lewis. They flag us for holding 10 yards. And, guys, we had five penalties, five penalties the entire ball game. one of which was a celebration. One was a special teams thing, and you get a hold in here. None of this pre-snap stuff, none of this extracurricular stuff. We did have the one thing with Buki, I guess, that was offsetting, but um, very clean in that respect. All right, but it's a first and 10 for Memphis, their 35. Brandon Thomas then runs off the left side for three. Incomplete to Brandon Thomas. Ty Wheat, nice play and coverage for him. Really athletic guy. Not enough people are talking about him. And then it's incomplete to Eddie Lewis. So, again, back-to-back three and outs for your defense. Uh, 36-yard punt filled by Austin Williams at 26. So, right here, we're thinking we're about to go put this thing in, in the – you know, we're about to go ahead and finish the ball game. We're up 32, but we're about to really, really get after these guys. We're complete to DJ for one. And then we hit Antonio Harmon for six. Brings up a manageable third and three, and we're incomplete to Wiley. We have to punt for the first time. And Archer Trafford comes out there and hits a cannon. 53 yards. 53 yards to the 19. We don't cover it. And uh, it's a 19-yard return out to the Memphis 33. So, again, good punt. We don't cover it. I know there are some people that say, you know what, we should kind of aim for a 45 to 46-yard punt. You know, maybe that's correct. But uh, regardless, when you've got a guy that can get you 50-plus and 50-field like that, you, you need to be able to get it down there and cover the punt. But – Pretty good first punt for the year, right, after what we saw last year. All right, so Memphis takes over at their 33 with 8.15 to go, and, and they get on the board here. Seth Hannigan complete uh, across them on the tight end here. I don't know if this is the situation we're just playing a lot of zone and he just kind of settles down, but the tight end there, uh, Caden Priestcorn, which was absolutely wide open. They get 17 yards on the play. And then they run that little zone read action, and it's a 50-yard touchdown run for Jevin Ducker. And once he broke contain, there was nobody catching him. So that extra point's good, makes it a 35-10 game. Those are the kind of things that, you know, I know it's football, but you, know, you can't give up those big plays like that. It's a missed assignment, but I'm curious to know, you know, kind of what they see. They'll correct it, but, um, you know, at least the game was 35-3. But, you know, we, we can't keep allowing these um, – Explosive plays on defense. You know, that, that was that was an issue last year. And, and, and granted, it, it doesn't stand up as much here. But to give Joe Moorhead uh, credit, it's one of the things he said. You know, the things you wouldn't accept in defeat, you shouldn't accept in victory. This is one of them. And you know Zach Arnett, you know Mike Leach. That's something they'll look to get cleaned up.
All right, so 35 to 10, State needs to answer here. And I know it's still a four-score game, but, uh, you know, you want to answer. You don't want people to feel like they're gaining ground. All right, so we take over our 25, Dylan Johnson, and runs at the middle for five. We go back to DJ, who gets 10, using dad strength, as Jet Johnson says. First and 10 now at the State 40. We're then complete to Rufus Harvey for 10. Gets us out to midfield and a first down. DJ runs for six off the left side, and then we're sacked. The only sack, and they timed it up pretty well. They overloaded one side. He had a rusher come free, and Wildes has to kind of duck and cover here. So all of a sudden, we're behind the chains here on third and 12, and um, we end up getting flushed here. And Will is, is a, you know, is tackled for no gain, but basically this is a pass rushing deal. It goes down as a run, but you give them some credit. And then George... Uh, Jeropolis or Jeropolis, forgive me, George, 52-yard punt. We get a touchback out of it, um, and they run into the kicker. I thought we might actually get a roughing penalty here, but then when it took so long to discuss it, you kind of knew. So we re-kick fourth and seven, then it's a 32-yard punt. It's fair caught uh, at the 15. So it works out okay. But the, you know, then It's funny how it works. You, know, you have a touchback, the five-yard penalty, and then – you kick it again, and it works out being basically the same thing. So back-to-back punts for Mississippi State. Memphis then, uh, again, you know, beginning to find a little offensive success, and I think maybe we, we relax a little bit here. Hennigan complete on the short side to, uh, to Asa Martin for four. They go back to Eddie Lewis for one, brings up a third and five. We can't get off the field here. They hit Gabe Rogers for a 21-yard gain. Asias uh, Furge and Jalen Green making the, the stop there. Uh, Asa Martin then runs the middle for five yards. Jet and Tyrus on the tackle. Incomplete to Joe Skates. He was a guy that had some made some plays for him last year. Then there is a false start. And again, to give Memphis credit too, it wasn't a lot of flags on those guys either. You know, this is a pre-snap penalty that puts them back a little bit, but uh, brings up third and ten. Now they we flush Seth Hennigan here, and it goes down as a rush. But this is your pass rush on third and ten, not getting home, but still impacting the play. And Jet Johnson meets him short of the line to gain, and says hello. Really, really good game for Jet and a really good play. They like to go for it on fourth and two. We absolutely overwhelm them. It's a one-yard loss. Buki Watson, Jordan Davis, outstanding effort. Gives us the ball at midfield. You start thinking, okay, here we go. Here comes the kill shot. State opens a drive at the 48. We're complete to, uh, to Tulu for eight. Brings it down to the Memphis 40. We go back to Antonio Harmon. And he looks good running around out there, doesn't he? He gets 13. We're down to the Memphis 27. At this point, we're all thinking, all right, everybody start getting their stuff. We're fixing to put this thing away. We find Tulu for four, takes it down to the 23. Then we hit Tulu for 17. It's first and goal at the Memphis six. And then just some wild stuff happens. It's just, uh, you know, so we, so we, run, we throw the backward pass here. We throw the lateral. And it's like I've read some commentary out there, and people are like, oh, we should never do that. It, guys, it is a tenet of the offense. We throw the lateral or backwards pass regularly. And this time, the defensive lineman beats us inside. He, he flashes, and he makes a play. It's not always about us doing something wrong. Their guy made a play. 
So he gets his hands on it, and we don't react. That's probably the most disappointing part of this. Of course, the, the end result of us losing the football and not scoring is, is the, the bigger issue. But we did, our, we did not react well. They didn't blow it dead. And we're all, we're all just kind of like, oh, you know. Uh, we did have one or two guys react, but collectively as a team, I thought we, I thought, we thought the ball was incomplete. But the uh, reality of it is uh, they get on it. Memphis gets on it, and uh, so we come away empty here after a, you know, a trip to the red zone, a chance to kind of put it away. So, again, your third quarter drives, even though that one ended in the fourth, we, we go out and we score, right, to, to make it a 35-3 ball game, and then it's back-to-back punts and a turnover. All right, those are the things. We can't have three consecutive drives like that. We just we, we can't. If we're going to be the offense we expect to be, we we got to be a little more consistent. So, uh, and again, not you know, not going to beat our up, beat us up for a big, you know, a sizable win here. But those are the things, kind of the game inside the game. You can't have those lulls where we just we can't get things done. And that was a, an impressive drive. And we we say, well, at least we flipped the field. I like. I want the points. All right. So Memphis takes over at their nineteen, and puts together their best drive of the night. So while we're not scoring back to back drives for them, that they are scoring. So, so Hennigan is incomplete to Eddie Lewis for nine. And then Jevin Ducker gets loose uh, for a couple yards to make it out to the Memphis 30. Back to Ducker on a uh, pass play there, makes it the 37. Brings up a second and three. They're on schedule here. And they swing it out to Eddie Lewis in a great tackle. They, they tried to run that little bubble action, and we just never really fell for it. So on third and three, they go to Ducker, who gets four. And Ducker's probably going to be their primary back. We talked about him as a transfer, and I thought he did some big things against us. Uh, Hennigan then incomplete to Jones, and then they hit Asa Martin for 43 yards. Now, this is to play here. They basically run some will action, and Buki didn't get over. I don't know if we got if somebody else missed the opportunity, but I believe that's Buki's key. And so they get outside of him, they lay it up, and he runs to 43. Jalen runs him down, pushes him out at 16. So an explosive play here that sets up a touchdown. Now, granted, they already had a good drive going. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it was just some flukish thing. They're just kind of, you know, dinking and dunking here and there and getting first downs and moving the chains, and all of a sudden they dial something up and it connects. But we got to do a better job getting out there. Asa Martin then runs uh, for a one-yard gain at the middle, and then Hennigan complete to Eddie Lewis 15 yards in the touchdown there on second nine. Uh, they decide to go for two. They're flagged for a false start. They still decide to go for two, and then they don't get it. So it is now a 35-16 game state with a 19-point lead. Still expected to cover here. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. I I was not the least bit concerned about covering the spread. I just didn't want the offense to continue to kind of slow down and all of a sudden this game become a bit of of an issue for us, right? I just wanted to put it away so we could all go home feeling good about the game, right? Didn't want to all of a sudden win this game 35-33 to or something. We, we put it together here. Uh, Dylan Johnson runs for three, brings up a second and seven. We're out, flared out to DJ, who gets two. And then we're complete to Rufus. And again, Rufus just, I mean, just getting caught doing the right things, making catches, converting first downs. And all of a sudden, you know, on third down, you start dialing Rufus up, and all, you know, people got to start paying attention to him. DJ then runs off the left side for eight. We hit DJ for a dozen yards here. Now, all of a sudden, all of a sudden things are kind of getting going. And, again, that, that running play was negated by a holding call. 
you know, holding, they called LaQuinston Sharp. But again, when you can live with five penalties. So even on first and 20, you know, we hit DJ and get out there and get it going. But then we hit the long pass to Rai Rai for 27. And again, great blocking on the perimeter by the Bulldog wide receivers. That That is something that uh, Steve Spurrier really emphasizes, and you can tell that these guys have been well coached. And all of a sudden, after that play, we're at the Memphis 34. Woody runs for one, and then we hit Rufus, and a great ball into traffic from Will to Rufus. Very good anticipation by Will, kind of sees it open, throws him open. He's in the end zone, and they flag us for the unsportsmanlike conduct. And yeah, it seems like the last two guys that have done that for Mississippi State, both Starkville High School guys, Willie Gay, I'm talking about you in the Egg Bowl. It's a stupid penalty, but it's a penalty every time. State makes the extra point. It's now 42-16, and everybody's like, you know what? This is going to be just fine. Memphis gets the ball back, and uh, we kick it off there. And, uh, again, it's, it's a good return. It's uh, 22 yards out to the Memphis 42. J.P. Purvis on the tackle. But, you know, you know we, we got to be able to execute even when the game is in hand. And I understand you're playing some reserves here, but, you know, you can't, you can't do that. I mean, you can't keep setting them up and giving them the ball – you know, out in advance of their own 30-yard line. All right, so they set up at the 42. Brandon Thomas then runs right for 18-yard gain, 18 yard gain. Nice run for him. We call a timeout to settle some things down. Thomas then runs again off the right side for seven. Ty Cooper, Corey Owington. And, again, we're playing a lot of guys here. I, I get it. The expectation doesn't change. All right, so then they, uh, they throw incomplete, but they flag Dylan Lawrence for defensive holding here. And, uh, you know, again, we're getting a little bit sloppy, right? And again, you got second teamers in, but again, the standard doesn't change. But now it's first and 10 at the state 23. I uh, throw it out to Ivory. It's a one yard loss. Marcus Banks, a nice play there. And, and there was a play earlier. Banks missed a tackle that led to, uh, that was on that Brandon Thomas play, led to a big gain. But here he is redeeming himself. Really nice play here. Hennigan then runs right for an eight yard gain. And again, that's us kind of getting in there, making some things happen. Ducker then runs for four, and then they're complete to, uh, uh, Price corn for eight brings it down to uh, the four-yard line. Second and two from our four. They run for three, get the first down, makes it first and goal. And uh, Seth Hennigan runs on the quarterback keeper to make it a touchdown. Extra point is good. They, they do the onside kick. It is not successful. It's now 42-23 with three minutes and 13 seconds to go. I would love to have been able to um, kept them under 20, especially as good as our defensive play. There was a stretch there in the third quarter, and I noted this on Twitter. State had 35 points. Memphis had 37 yards. And from that point forward, you know, Memphis kind of got going. The game the game was no longer on the line. You know, how many times have we been there? It's like, well, you know, if we can continue that momentum, there is no momentum. When you're getting blown out and you're playing against second and third team guys in, in the fourth quarter and you go down and score, you haven't accomplished anything. And so it's like when the shoe is on the other foot, you know, we're like, hey, you know, we wish we could have closed it out. That's how I feel. Is I know you want to play some guys. And you don't need to have your first team guys in there shooting for a shutout. You, you don't. You don't want to run the risk of having, uh, you know, get some injury. That, that, that's the question. Well, why was he still in there in a ball game that was already decided? But the reality of it is, is these garbage time points don't mean a whole lot to me. And it doesn't matter who's scoring them. The game was – this game is already over. All right, so – we come back out, 3.13 to go. We had the ball at the Memphis 39. Uh, Price then runs for three, and it's good to see him get some touches. 
Will Rogers then complete to Harmon for 11. First and 10 to Memphis 25. Price up the middle for two. And we're, we're running clock here. So Memphis, of course, you know, they're, they're calling timeouts. And again, I, I understand what you're trying to do. It's a teachable moment. But I thought Mike Leach ended up teaching the lesson here. That they're trying to they're trying to extend a game that is already decided. There is no way you're going to win this game with three minutes and 13 seconds to go when you're trailing by 19. It's not going to happen. It's, it's not going to happen. And he said, but Steve, there was this game. Yeah, out of how many games? One or two opportunities in thousands of games. And so, again, I understand you're coaching and you're teaching. Nobody will ever say it officially. I think that um, – I think this little coup de gras here at the end was because of all this. I think if Memphis had just let us run the football here, run the clock out, the score would have been a little bit different. But um, so they call timeout again, and then Will Rogers is, is incomplete to Rufus, and then we throw another beautiful dime to Justin Robinson. Good to see him out there running around uh, for a touchdown. And it kind of, to me, it was kind of like, yeah, okay, you you when the game is over, you're trying to kind of you know elongate this. I understand you're coaching and kind of playing for the future but this game is over we've already been here far too long the game is decided our fans had to sit out here for over two hours and wait for the game to restart and we're doing this so whether mike leach intended it to be i will interpret it as such that justin robinson's touchdown was a way of saying shut up the, the extra point's good 49 23 so we kick off and then memphis gets the ball back uh, with 205 to play Hennigan complete to Asa Martin for six, and then they're incomplete to Jones, brings up a third and four. Asa Martin runs and uh, gets a nice game there, and then a nice little lick here, and we force the fumble. Jordan Davis, great job rallying the football, recovered by Sean Preston. So we get the ball back now at the Memphis uh, 45, with a minute 31 to go. Sawyer Robertson takes over under center. We give it to Price, he runs for two, and then we run for three more. And that's a ball game. That is absolutely the ball game. And uh, again, defensively, it, it's it's crazy how it all works. It's like there's this collective psyche. You know, when we do something silly on offense, we need the defense to kind of bail us out. But I think everybody kind of you know faded a little bit because the game had been decided. Let's go over the numbers real quickly here before we get to today's top ten list. Will Rogers, 38 of 49, 450 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. I don't think we had a drop in the game. I don't think so. You know, I, did, I didn't officially score it. I don't think we did. It allowed us one sack. So we dropped back the pass 50 times. I guess 51 technically because Will got flushed on the one. Uh, but we just one sack. So really good job by the new look Bulldog offensive line. Seth Hennigan, 19 of 30 for 165 and a touchdown and had the one long will route play for 43. So you start taking that out of it. I know they all count, but you begin to realize this. 18 other completions for, what, 118 yards? Woof. Dylan Johnson, 14 carries for 67 yards. Woody Marks, 12 for 36. Simeon Price, 4 for 10. And Will Rogers, negative uh, 16 because he's charged with the lateral right you know he's will's charged with with that and um of course you have the sack there but uh i don't know if it's fair but the reality it is what it is uh receiving rara five for 81 and a touchdown Caleb ducking three for 73 and a touchdown rufus 
five for 61 in a touchdown. Jaden Wally, three for 30 in a touchdown. Justin Robinson, one for 23 in a touchdown. Tulo, five for 60. Dylan Johnson, six for 39. Antonio Harmon, three for 30. Woody Marks, two for 21. And Simeon Price, one for 20. Jamel Calvin, three for 11. None bigger, though, than I think that third down. The game was still somewhat in doubt. Really way to go down and get it. And Austin Williams, oh, steady Eddie, just the one catch, one reception, one yard. Defensively, uh, Mississippi State, Jets Johnson, 13 tackles. Jalen Green with five. And I thought he was everywhere. Corey Ellington, five tackles. Nathaniel Watson with four. Marcus Banks with three. DeCamerion with three. Jordan Davis, three. Deshaun Page, three. Tyrus Wheat, two. Randy Charlton, a pair. Uh, Woody Marks had a couple. You know, of course, one of them was on the uh, lateral. And then uh, the other one, special teams. Emmanuel Forbes, uh, two tackles. Pickering, two. Also had the one sack. Ty Cooper with two, Jevin Banks with two, Cameron Young with two, and Cam still impacted the game, even though he didn't float the box score. Jackie Matthews with one. He did miss some time. We don't expect that to be serious. Uh, Demonte Russell with one, Sean Preston with one, and, of course, the big fumble recovery. J.P. Purvis with one, Asias Verge, and Nick Mitchell, big player on special teams. Uh, Mississippi State, just the two punts here, Archer Trafford, the one for 53, and George for 32. That one lands inside uh, the 20. Uh, so, Again, you're pretty complete ball game here, but again, not everything went right. So there are some things that we can kind of discuss, and there are some things that we can improve upon. And with Arizona winning their ball game against San Diego State, and San Diego State had a good year last year, he lost a lot, but I'm glad they won because they're going to get our full attention. All right, time for today's top ten list. Brought to you as always by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R, and uh, he tells me. He's got some boneyard lawns in the pipeline. So thank you guys for supporting Blair. I'm telling you, you're doing yourself a favor because you're, you're dealing with a mortgage professional. A lot of people out there want your business. Blair, Blair has earned it. 21 years in the industry, top 1% close ratio in the country. In the country. Works for Fairway Mortgage, a name you know. Recently voted number one in customer satisfaction when it comes to mortgage loan origination. And here's the deal, too. You reach out to Blair. You say, hey, I heard about you on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. So whether you're looking to refinance, whether you're looking to get some cash out, whether you're looking to buy a home for the first time, maybe you need to get a second home, Blair can assist you in all that. He is a jack of all trades for sure. Blair's personal cell number, 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. And uh, again, mention to him you heard about him on the show. That, that appraisal is about 500 bucks. He's going to pay for that for you. How cool is that? Reach out, let him know. And again, we thank Blair, as always, for his support of the Boneyard. Okay, top 10, it's Labor Day, so we're going to do the Labor Day edition. Could have gone a lot of different directions here. A, a couple songs that didn't make the list is Work from Pop Evil. That didn't make the list. Um, there was the, the, the Rihanna song, Work, didn't make the list. These are a little more classic, I guess you would say. These are a little bit older. I'm from the 1900s, you know, and so... These, there's one exception here, but most of these uh, are from the 1900s, like me. All right, number 10, you know them, I guess, probably best for the song, uh, Pick Up the Pieces, that uh, was on the BG Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, but it's the uh, Average White Band. We're going with Work to Do. Work to Do by the Average White Band. Great, great song. Number nine, a song I'm sure you've heard a million times, and maybe you didn't know who sang it, they're making their second appearance. On the Boneyard Top 10, it's Canned Heat. It's Let's Work Together. Number eight, 
I saw it. I don't, I, why I don't understand these, I don't care about the, your memes. My goodness. Um, so back on track here. Number eight, a legendary song from a legendary songwriter. I don't know that it gets enough attention. It's Working Class Hero from John Lennon. Working Class Hero from John Lennon. Number seven, I probably, when I wrote the list down, this is one that I, I thought maybe should be a little bit higher. Maybe. But it's Working Man from Rush. It's a great song. And again, I kind of regret the placement, but the list is done. And uh, I'm not a person that lives with regrets, and I don't give myself those second chances. So Rush, number seven. Number six, I believe this band is also making a debut on the top ten list. It's Steely Dan. The song is Dirty Work. Great, great, great song. If you're unfamiliar with it, give it a listen. Steely Dan. I've had some people request us to do a top ten for Steely Dan. Maybe at some point we will. Number five, this is a change-up from the rest of the tunes here. It's a legendary Donna Summer. She works hard for the money. So you better treat her right. Pretty good video, too. Donna Summer, phenomenal singer. And really over generations, too. Number four, I don't know that I've had these guys on the show before, but uh, here we go. It's Huey Lewis in the news. I'm taking what they're giving because I'm working for a living. And I believe that was in that uh, Michael J. Fox and Helen Slater movie. I cannot remember the name of the movie, but um, working for a living, a great tune. Number three, Again, kind of a change up here. And it'd be, you can't do a song about work and ignore Missy Elliott, right? Misdemeanor. You, you can't. So we're going with Work It. And uh, we'll give uh, Timbaland a shout out too. Timbaland on the track. Uh, number two, legendary song. Doesn't match Missy Elliott at all. But I don't know that most of us in music would be here if it weren't for these guys. The Beatles. It's We Can Work It Out. Tesla did an amazing version of this on the five-man acoustical jam with the original tried and true, an incredible song. But number one, if we're gonna if we're gonna be working, we're working for the weekend. It's Loverboy, number one. Loverboy. I bet you didn't when you got up today, you'd think, you know what, Steve's probably gonna talk about some obscure metal band. You had no clue that I had Loverboy up my sleeve today. Loverboy was a very solid band, too. They were radio rock friendly. Those guys were good. They weren't hard. They were good. And there was all this kind of bias that went on in rock back then, too. It's like bands like Loverboy, you kind of looked at it. So they got the singers, Mike Reno is really talented, but he's got short hair. So I don't know that I believe in him, but Steve Perry uh, from Journey does. Right? Steve, Steve Perry does have long hair. And so Steve Perry was a better singer, too, than Mike Reno. But, uh, but you understand my point. So I just shared that with you today. Uh, you got, we're working, you guys are uh, enjoying your day, so I encourage you to get out and do that. But that's our Labor Day edition of the Top Ten, working in some work today, uh, because I don't get the day off. I, I rarely ever get the day off. I'll take some days off next week. Reminder, too, I'll be leaving Wednesday uh, to head out west. Going to go out and see some of the old west and uh, just see some things I've never seen before. I mean, I don't want I'm going to have a chance to get out there and have some time to spend a couple days. And so we'll get out and go see some cool things. Um, so the Friday show will be recorded probably in New Mexico. Probably. That's, that's the plan anyway. I'll probably be in New Mexico. Probably the only time in my life that I'll be recording a show for you guys in New Mexico. So we'll check it out. 
And again, thanks as always to, to Blair Chandler at CloseofBlair.com for sponsoring our top 10 list. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I was there on Saturday signing books, got a chance to take a lot of pictures, shake a lot of hands. Good to see everybody out. The bully shop was packed. You know, since they've moved it upstairs and they've expanded the selection, I've never seen Campus Bookmart as busy as I did this weekend. Exceptionally busy. Of course, they had the grand reopening on Friday and, of course, game day on Saturday. So make it your destination for Mississippi State merchandise next time you're in town. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet. And uh, use promo code BSR when you do it. Go to campusbookmart.net. Use promo code BSR to save shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. BSR, of course, stands for beautiful Steve Robertson. Just by listening to the show, you're saving money, right? It's a great opportunity for you to, to support a Starkville business that does a great job for a great fan base, delivering great merchandise, for sure, about a great athletic program. Campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Be sure and check it out today. Let's take a look around the Southeastern Conference. Maybe you have already uh, checked these games out. I haven't had a chance to watch them all. I flipped back and forth between the Tennessee and Missouri games uh, over the weekend, on Thursday night, excuse me. And, of course, Tennessee wins 59-10. Missouri, 52-24 winners over Louisiana Tech. It's a good win for the Tigers. A&M really, really sloppy in that ball game against Sam Houston State. Now, defensively, obviously, did well, didn't allow any points. But, uh, you know, the Haynes-King era has resumed up there. It did not appear that things went exceptionally well. You know, we'll kind of see how things progress there. But, uh, you know, not not huge numbers, to say the least, you know, for for, uh, for the Aggies offensively. You know, it's a 10 at the ball game before they score right before the half. So that, that they take care of business. But, um, you know, not not especially dominant by any stretch. Of course, it's 17 nothing. They score a touchdown in both of the final quarters. But, uh, you know, Haynes King, 20 of 31 for 364 yards. Those numbers seem kind of loud, but he had a couple of very untimely picks that allowed the Bearcats to kind of hang around for a while. Leading rusher, just 42 yards. That's A-Chain, 18 carries for 42. He averaged 2.3 yards per carry, 12 of those yards on one run. So you got 17 more for 30. So it was not a very efficient game. And you would think you'd be able to win in the trenches against an FCS opponent. So, again, we don't need to make too many snap judgments about anybody week one. But not a great game for the Aggies. Now, you, do, you want to know somebody that looked really good in week one? And they should. You're defending national champions. Georgia, 49-3 winners over Oregon. Of course, Oregon was ranked 11th. And they were never in this game. Never. At the half, it's 28-3. And they don't score again the rest of the game. Georgia could have absolutely boat raced these guys. Stetson Bennett, 25-31. Very efficient. 368 yards, a couple, a couple touchdowns. Uh, they even bring him back there late. He's 5-6 of six and throws a touchdown himself. Average completion, 11.8 and a half between the two quarterbacks combined. That, that generally works. Uh, no 100-yard no rushers. They kind of did it by committee. Milton with 50, Edwards 24, McIntosh with 18. McConkey, wide receiver, even had uh, 16. A couple of attempts for him. But, uh, yeah, a good night. McIntosh, the running back, nine catches, 117 yards. Where have I heard that before, right? So good opening game for the Georgia Bulldogs as they began their title defense. Now, Arkansas-Cincinnati, we talked about how intriguing that game could be. It certainly was. But 
Arkansas jumps out to the early lead and just kind of manages it as they go. 14-0 at the break. Cincinnati comes back with a little vengeance there in the third quarter, but Arkansas is up for the challenge. A very entertaining third quarter there is 27 points are scored. Ten of those went to Arkansas, though. So it is a 24-17 you know, game headed to the fourth. Cincinnati needs a break. They, they just they couldn't quite get over the hump there. So Arkansas wins 31-24, a very good opening game for the Razorbacks. K.J. Jefferson, 18 of 26 for 223 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, no picks. Sanders did run for 117 yards and K.J. for 62 more. So that's interesting to kind of, uh, you know, kind of consider consider moving forward so again good game for the Razorbacks and again very intriguing game a game between two top 25 opponents so Arkansas undoubtedly will move up a little bit in the polls this week uh, Ole Miss 28-10 winners they got out to the big start and kind of had a little bit of malaise I haven't watched the game yet I know many of you have but uh, again it, it never felt like Ole Miss was in trouble it's a 21-3 game at the break and Troy doesn't find the end zone until the fourth quarter, and it's a 28-3 ball game in the fourth. So it never felt like Ole Miss was, you know, threatened by any stretch of the imagination. But a lot of discussion about quarterback play. Uh, Jackson Dart, 18 of 27 for 154 yards and one touchdown and a pick. Average completion, 5.7 yards. I've had to listen to that for two years, right? You know, about how, you know, they're challenging down the field. Luke Altmaier, one for two, six and a half yards, uh, per completion for 13 yards. A lot of discussion about uh, Luke Altmaier starting this week. The thing I'll say, quarterback competitions that usually linger into the season, nobody wins those. That's including the fans and the team. Zach Evans, a uh, nice game for the Rebels, 20 carries for 130 yards, did not reach the end zone, had a nice big gain of 46. Uh, Judkins, 14 for, 80, for 87, so nearly 200-yard rushers. We talked on the show about look for the Rebels to run the football a lot more this year. That's where the skill set is within their personnel. You got, you know, quarterback play, well, it's an issue. You get out there and you run the football. It makes life a whole lot easier. Another game, and we were wrong about this one. I expected Utah to win, but a big win for Billy Napier. And I think Billy will do well there. And maybe they're a little bit ahead of schedule. And uh, as I talked to somebody earlier today, Napier kind of specializes in these one-possession games. Richardson, 17 of 24 for 168 yards. Also ran for 106. That's pretty good production there from your quarterback. Three touchdowns on the ground. Johnson ran for 75 yards and a score himself. But uh, you know, Florida has athletes. How will Billy use them? You know, that, that's the thing. You know, Billy Napier is a good offensive coach. He likes to spread you out and use that power running game. But 29-26 winners, the Gators. Uh, Kentucky, kind of a, you know, blasé win, 37-13 over Miami of Ohio. Again, that never felt like Kentucky was ever threatened or really challenged in this game, at least in the second half, because you look at the halftime score and it's just 13-10. And then Kentucky takes charge there in the third quarter with a 17-3 quarter to kind of put the thing away. But, you know, there's been a lot of hype around uh, Will Levis, and he had, a, he had a productive day. We're not going to sit here and hate on the day. 21 of 32, nine and a half yards of completion, 303 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. And, and when you consider what their ground game is supposed to be, if you're getting 300 yards from him, while I don't think that wins him any awards, you're going to win some football games. 
Cavassier smoke leading rusher with just 32 yards. And I, I think if you're Kentucky, that's the concern you have is that you couldn't run the football against Miami of Ohio. And again, I'm sure they were pretty vanilla in their play calling, but the reality of it is, is, you know, not time to panic, but there's probably something to note. Auburn and Mercer, you know, again, the quality of, of competition here, not good. 28-7 at the break, and then Auburn comes out in third quarter, puts, really puts a game away, makes it a 42-7 game, and then Mercer picks up nine points there in the end. T.J. Finley, 9 of 14, eight yards of completion, 112 yards, one touchdown, two picks. That is not encouraging, and I think that's what you can expect for him. I think he is a guy that's going to hover less than 60%. Most games, I know they'll try to simplify things, but uh, he is a guy that has historically tried to do too much. Robbie Ashford comes in in relief, goes four of seven for 100 yards. So no Zach Calzada signing. There is some discussion that he's not 100% healthy. But Tank Bigsby, one of my favorite players in the country, 16 carries, 147 yards. That works out to just over nine yards a carry, a pair of scores. And then Ashford gets in there again, six carries for him, 68 yards. That, that, that dog will hunt, right? Uh, Jarquez Hunter from Neshoba Central, eight carries for 34 yards and found the end zone three times. So, good night on the ground for the Tigers. And um, you kind of look at this Kentucky thing in Auburn, it's like a quarterback play is going to be somewhat sketchy. We've got to kind of commit to the ground game. The good thing is they have some personnel that, that, that assists in that. Could be this year. Couldn't Maybe this year is not the year of the quarterback, right? If Ole Miss is going to run the football a lot more, and I think they certainly should, and Kentucky and Auburn going to kind of ground it out, you know, maybe guys like uh, Will Rogers have a chance. Vanderbilt now 2-0. 2-0. They get out to a 21-7 lead over Elon and then a 7-3 second quarter. So it's a 28-10 game at the break. And probably the thing you look at here is they lose the third quarter, 14-7. So all of a sudden it's a little bit of a game, right? Now all of a sudden you think, is Vanderbilt going to find a way to lose to Elon? No, they didn't. They won 42-31. Mike Wright, of course, another nice game, uh, 18 of 29, 245 yards, four touchdowns for him. Davison runs 24-95, and Wright throws in 84. If they can keep Wright healthy, they're going to beat somebody. They're going to beat somebody they're not expected to. Are they a bold team? No, they're not. Because you, you can't have the running quarterback in this league for very long. I mean, those, we know from experience those guys get beat up. And if you're going to have a running quarterback, you better have a bunch of them. Utah State had a big year last year. They're 500 right now after getting absolutely walloped by Alabama. 17-0 after one. 24-0 in the second quarter. Combine that with the first half score. And, guys, it's 41 to nothing at the break. And then Georgia, excuse me, Alabama kind of calls the dogs off. Just 14 points there in the second half. They win 55 to nothing. It's crazy to think about that in hindsight. Uh, Young, 18 and 28 for 195 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, just you ought to be able to add an athlete these games. They actually played three quarterbacks. Uh, Milrow, eight of 10 for 76, a touchdown in the pick. And then uh, Ty Simpson gets in the game, one for two for him. Bryce Young led the uh, Crimson Tide with 100 yards rushing. Gibbs pitches in 93. So, you know, Bama's going to be Bama. And I thought Utah, I didn't think Utah State would be able to keep it competitive, but I at least thought they would score. They did not. We talked about the Mississippi State-Memphis numbers. Um, you know, no, no new information to, to add there. Again, I just think State took care of business. And if you, we told you beginning of the year you're going to get 50 points in this game, you'd be thrilled. 
South Carolina and Georgia State, 35-14. And uh, I haven't watched this game yet, but I've had some people tell me that you know, it really wasn't a clean game. It's 12-7 South Carolina at the break. 12-7. So in the second quarter, South Carolina scores, and they go for two, and they miss it. And then they added a field goal, makes it a 9-0 game, and then Georgia State goes down to score to make it a ball game. Makes it 9-7, they kick a 51-yard field goal, make it 12-7 to break. And then in the second half, South Carolina's athleticism kind of took over. But, uh, you know, part of it, you know, part of the deal. You know, sometimes you got to win ugly. And if you're South Carolina, your team is going to have to really battle for bowl eligibility, and you'll take them however you can get them. But, uh, you know, not a great game for South Carolina, but anytime you can put a, a win in the – a notch in the win column, you've done okay. And finally, that crazy game last night, LSU and Florida State. That was not a fun game to watch until the very end. It was not good football. Now, fans of those teams may disagree. Well, Florida State fans may disagree. You know, LSU – had multiple opportunities early in that ball game to get into the end zone. And they got a little bit cute. They end up kicking the one field goal. It's 3 nothing after one. And then Florida State, a team that's not really known for proficient passing offense, makes a play in the air. It's 7-3 at the break. And it's not necessarily because we're playing great defense. There's just some offensive ineptitude on both sides of the line here. The next thing you know, it is 17 to 17 to 3, excuse me. 17 to 3 LSU. LSU needed two scores to kind of climb back in this thing. They get a touchdown there in the third quarter. Uh, Noah Kane from up close, 82-yard drive, 10 plays, takes up 409. They get in the end zone. Now okay now, so it sets up a one possession game in the fourth quarter. You're thinking, okay, LSU will will find a way. Well, instead, Florida State puts together a 79-yard drive that eats up six minutes off the clock. Now, it's 24-10. Now, so now LSU, nine minutes to play, has got to score twice to force overtime. They hit Jeray Jenkins for a 22-yard pass from Jaden Daniels to make it 24-17. you got to get a stop. And incredibly, they do. Florida State drives down. They're, all they got to do all, is kick the field goal. Right, that's you're just trying to manage drive. You'd prefer the touchdown, and then they decide to pitch it, and the kid fumbles it, and LSU recovers. LSU goes 99 yards with it, not without some controversy. 99 yards. They have a play late. Kid is ruled out of bounds. Kind of find out he was in bounds, but because they stopped it for review, it's a dead ball. So the the play clock starts on the snap rather than on the ready. If they had called that correctly, the clock runs out on LSU. Insanity. They score, and you're thinking, I know this is going to happen. In New Orleans, man, with Bourbon Street and all that, that Cajun voodoo, they're going to score, and they're going to win in overtime. And Florida State blocks the extra point. I don't think any of us expected that. What a wild finish it was. And, again, it wasn't much fun to watch until the fourth quarter. It's good to see two teams, even though there's not high expectations for either teams, to see them fight and compete as hard as they did. 
Uh, Daniels, 26 of 35 for 209 yards, a pair of touchdowns. But, uh, you know, really the game for him is when things break down. I think that OSU offensive line has, has got a lot of work to do. Daniels goes 16 carries for 114 yards, a long of 25. And that was the first play of the game for OSU. Uh, Noah Kane, 7 for 23, 9 yards. And, again, you look at these running numbers, a lot of this is when Dan- – it wasn't just necessarily designed quarterback runs. It's just Daniels using his athleticism. This offensive line is having trouble moving people, which may help us when we go down there. Jare Jenkins, five catches, 46 yards, and two touchdowns. He was, he was the hero there. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, some LSU players have, like, taken LSU stuff off their social media stuff. And I, I'm reluctant to mention that because, you know, these, these are emotional times for young people, right? But there were some things, uh, Malik Neighbors, Kashan Butte, who is both the great players, of course, Malik Neighbors, former Mississippi State commitment, flipped to LSU on signing day. He muffed two punts last night. And rather than come out and say, hey, it's a young guy that made a mistake. We love him. We need him. We're going to be fine. He goes, you know, Brian Kelly's like, you know what? We evaluated and we made a mistake. We made a mistake putting that kid out there. And even though you may say that behind closed doors, when you say it publicly like that, you know, I think it shows you're throwing your own player under the bus. He is a sophomore. But the reality of it is, it's like, okay, if he muffed the first one, you put him back out there with the game on the line and he, and he muffs it, is it his fault or yours? But no matter whose fault it is, you don't get out there in a press conference and make it all about the kid. That's just, you know, it's one thing if it's a coach. Uh, we talk about being accountable, and I, I, some people are way too invested in what guys say at press conferences. I, I don't really care. There's so much of that that's like, you know, it's talk speak. I mean, how many times we hear Joe say, you know, we're going to point the thumb instead of the finger, you know. And all that sounds good. And Brian Kelly's like, well, you know, I've got to be accountable for this, and then immediately goes and throws a young player under the bus. Not a fan of that at all. And, and listen, I'm not afraid to let's tell the truth. I just think that's a way it, – it's almost like it's assigning blame. Colin, we talked about at the beginning of the show. It's our fault for putting him out there because we made a mistake evaluating him. You know, you had the better part of uh, spring and fall to make that decision. And clearly he wasn't a guy muffing punts in practice, so you wouldn't have trotted him out there. The guy had a tough night. You know, and I, listen, I owe no allegiance to Malik Neighbors after what he did to Mississippi State. I, I get it. I don't have to like it. You know, he's a kid from South Louisiana, got a late offer from LSU. He went to LSU. And in many respects, you know, he cost him the game. And you can say, you know what, they, they were able to overcome that. Well, I don't know if that's really true. You know, and when you look at the complexion of the game, you know, when, what if LSU scores on those drives? You're like, well, they fumbled and they didn't give up much. Well, yeah, but what if they score? It's impossible to know that. But you can't. You can't turn the football over. You can't do it in that situation. And then, incredibly, you know, LSU gets a chance to go down. And, you know, I guess one of those things, too, you look at it's, you know, LSU, since winning an AFL championship, it's kind of like the axis of the world has shifted. It has not been good for LSU since. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, and I don't, I, I don't think it's just about Ed Orgeron, right? I think it's one of those things where I think, number one, LSU wins an AFL championship, and then they have to kind of commit, and then they kind of miss this uh, – they miss the window of getting new coaches, you know. It's just, you know. And now I think you go out and you overpay for Brian Kelly, 
Because Sky Woodard is a great idea, uh, AD. He always wants to make the splash higher. He goes and gets Kilmulkey, you know, from Baylor. Goes and gets Jay Johnson from Arizona because we're LSU, right? And listen, I commend people that want the best for themselves. I do. I don't think those hires were reaches. I think this one is. And you say, well, you're Brian Kelly's at Notre Dame. We went and took Notre Dame's coach, and and okay, now you got to go win win games with him. But LSU, I don't know if you've kept up. Since they won the NAFL championship, had one of the best seasons in the history of college football. Have you, have you, have you seen this? They're 11, 11 and 13. They're 11 and 13 since winning the NAFL championship. They went 5 and 5 in 2020, including a loss to Mississippi State. They go 6 and 7 last year, and then they're 0 and 1 this year. So 11 and 13 since winning the NAFL championship. And, and people forget, you know, it took you know, a big rally at the end of the year, including beating Texas A&M, to achieve bowl eligibility last year. It's crazy. It is. And I, I think, you know, Brian Kelly is a good coach. I don't think he is a great coach. And I think he did some things that were detrimental to his locker room uh, last night. So those are my feelings. Maybe you feel differently. I'm glad you guys are enjoying a cookout while we're all working. I'm not, I'm not salty at all. No, I'm really not. I, I enjoyed the work. I enjoy being able to kind of be regimented in what we do. And, and I, again, I'm taking some time for myself later this week. But, uh, you know, we have a college football game tonight in case that you have, um, you know, have lost track here. And uh, no SEC teams involved, but uh, might should be awfully interesting. I'm excited to see it. Maybe you guys are a little different, but uh, it's uh, Clemson at Georgia Tech. That'll be a 6 p.m. kick on ESPN. So tonight in Atlanta, Georgia, you'll be able to watch uh, this game. So just when you thought, hey, there's no good football, we've got two Power Five ACC teams going at it. Clemson, of course, ranked number four uh, at Georgia Tech. So it'll be awfully interesting to see how it goes. You know, Jeff Collins, I think we all know is uh, is is coaching for his job. So be sure and tune in tonight. Check that out. And uh, we'll preview uh, the rest of the week, uh, you know, later this week. But, uh, again, Wednesday I'll record the show, and then we're going to hit the road uh, to Arizona. So we'll have Mike Leach today. We'll get players tomorrow, and there will be coaches on Wednesday. So uh, my teammates over at jeanspage.com will cover that. We'll have full coverage throughout the week. And so uh, even though I'm on the road, the show never stops. And uh, I believe I'm the only one from our team going out there. I believe Steph and Theo are going to Tucson. So, you know, there have been some games in the past. It's just been me and the Clarion Ledger uh, B-Rider. But, uh, you know, we'll take a closer look at Arizona on the Wednesday show, and I think we can all kind of be excited about that. Of course, Arizona wins over San Diego State. We'll we'll break that down in much greater detail uh, on Wednesday. Let's thank our friend Brooks Bryan, too. I love Brooks. You will love Brooks. Brooks loves Mississippi State. It's always good that when we can come together and kind of use our, our resources and our skills to benefit each other. And there's some people out there that, you know, they're very selfish. That's not Brooks. Brooks works with a great group of residential developers bringing this wonderful development portico to Starkville. Phase one completely sold out. All your new neighbors are already enjoying the high life. Phase two under construction now. First 10 houses are being built. Some of those are sold. And so if you're maybe looking to get in now, Give Brooks a call. Brooks' phone number is 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075.
You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home and go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. You'd be glad you did. And because of the fact that there are still some lots available, you can pick your lot and then have a say in your house plans. Have a custom build. Maybe you need something a little special. Maybe you need a home studio or a home office. Or maybe, you, maybe you've got a, a dojo in your house. I don't know what, what you want to do, but they can accommodate you. Very easy to find. Turn off 82 on the 12. Take the very first right on Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stop. Boom, there's Portico right there on your right. Go by and check them out today. Next time you're in town, go by and take maybe a self-guided tour and think, you know what? I could live here. Make Portico your next move. All right, let's give you guys a bit of a Rock Vegas update. Uh, it's dominated my time for the most part here the last couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of now just waiting for things to come in, kind of waiting for things to happen. We're 25 days from showtime. Uh, it's exciting, to say the least. If you are in the uh, Minnesota area or you're planning to go to that festival up there, Lily Max, we play in this weekend uh, up there. And uh, our friends from Twist played at Two Brothers uh, this past weekend. Maybe some of you young folks had a chance to take in the show. And uh, we'll have them, of course, on the, on the big stage down at the State Palace Theater, formerly, formerly known as State Palace Theater. Hobie's on Main now downstairs. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed Twist, and I hope you're excited to see them again. They'll actually be back at Hobie's uh, here in a couple weeks and then back for our show. So you start with folks are going to get a, a lot of chances to see Twist. And uh, our friends in Four Way Stop playing down in Brookhaven this weekend. They were in Vicksburg last weekend. So uh, these are bands that are playing regularly. We're excited about the show. Uh, ticket sales going well. Uh, we do anticipate a sellout. And, uh, of course, we had the big first day. It's kind of been a slow burn since then. But, uh, you know, one day we'll look up and we've sold like 50 tickets for the day. And so I share that with you because so many people have said, hey, Steve, I'm, I'm going to get tickets. Let me tell you, you don't need to wait. There are a lot of people in town for the first time and that maybe don't follow me on social media that heard about the show. So we expect to have a good week in season tickets or show ticket sales this week. Also, digital billboards are set to begin today. And then ads on 99 The Fox will start tomorrow. So we're going to be promoting the show. So if you haven't bought tickets, you need to understand there's going to be a lot more competition for them here in the days ahead. So let me encourage you to do that. And it's not so much about you coming to the show. I want you to come to the show to see this great show and to support Hobie, go by, have a cold beer, an adult beverage, whatever. But all money raised through ticket sales and through official merchandising sales of the event go directly to the Bulldog Initiative. And, of course, they're raising money for NIL opportunities for your student-athletes. And so even if you're not a rock person or even if you can't make it to town and you want to be involved, you want to support the show, you buy the tickets, you email them to me, and then I will ensure that they get in the hands of a Mississippi State student. There may be some students who want to come to the show, maybe can't afford a ticket, and so we will do that. Now, we're also already talking about next year, which sounds crazy. Uh, but sometimes when you when you deal with National Recording Acts, you have to kind of plan well in advance because of the fact that they, they book dates so far in advance. And I won't tell you who, but uh, we're talking, we're actually talking to a couple people, but uh, there's one band in particular I've kind of got my, my, my eyes on that is interested in doing our show. And uh, they're also kind of fans of Lillian Acts too. And so that would be awfully cool. And so a lot of people have come to me wanting to guess. I'm not going to tell you even if you guess it. But we're actually talking to a, a few reps to kind of get some things hammered down. And I don't know when we announce the show. We've got a lot to do between now and then. We've got to have, get this show done, first of all. But then we'll, we'll announce a show for next year. And uh, it'll be a name you know, for sure. Bandit's had some hits. You won't have to go Google them. I can promise you. Uh, but I'm excited about the show. And, again, you can find tickets at eventbrite.com. That's eventbrite.com. 
or on all my social media. I've got links everywhere, everywhere. And again, tickets are going good, and uh, we do expect to sell out maybe uh, a little bit later in the month, obviously, before we get closer to the show. But people, every time I go somewhere, Steve, we're getting tickets, we're getting tickets. All right, that's great. You need to go ahead and take care of that. You need to take care of it. Whether you're coming to the show or not, you need to get tickets. And again, if you're not going to use your tickets, please email them to me at srobertson at genespage.com, and I will distribute them uh, to some students. And, and we'll do it basically on Twitter. You know, whenever we get, get closer to the show, I'll just start giving these tickets away, and uh, we'll let some students come and uh, support some up-and-coming Mississippi rock bands. And, of course, here Lily and Axe, a band that's very important to us that have been in the rock scene for a long time here in the state of Mississippi. And so I appreciate all of your, your well wishes. So many people have reached out and said, Steve, I support your efforts and think it's a wonderful thing you're doing. And, you know, again, it takes all of us. I think we can all use our skills. We use our platform for something positive. And that's what I've tried to do. You know, I have tried to do something that I think is positive for Mississippi State. And I'm very appreciative of those that have come along and, uh, and supported us uh, in this endeavor. Again, it's been very exciting. I've had people from other cities that have reached out to me and said, hey, Steve, would you be willing to book a show here? And you know what? That would be a lot of fun. I just don't have the time to do it. And not to, not to mention, I really want to do things here in Stark. Well, this is where I live, and I want to support our local community, and I want to support Mississippi State. And uh, I've had some bands reach out and ask me if I'd be willing to, to be their booking agent. And I just don't have the time to commit to that. I wouldn't do a fair job uh, for those people. And while it would be a lot of fun, uh, I enjoy what I'm doing. I love my job. I love being able to cover the Bulldogs. And this is a chance for me to kind of combine my love of rock music and my love of the Bulldogs together in, in one, you know, one endeavor. And so, again, I ask you to support that. And uh, we'll have some merchandise available only at the venue. We're not going to sell it online. Uh, that'll kind of... Uh, for the event in and of itself. But uh, going to be a great night. I have enjoyed, you know, being able to kind of cover some college football the last couple of days because there is a lot to all of this. There's a lot to it. And I think it's important to understand that a lot of respect for people who do this for a living because there's so many details. And I guess after a while, like any job, you know, you kind of get up to speed, know what to expect and who you can count on. I've had to kind of build these relationships from nothing. And so it's been great. Now, I guess it's helpful that I do have a name in the market, right? So I'm not just some guy calling. People know who I am. But I'm excited about the show. I'm excited for you guys to come out and celebrate with us. Of course, again, that is the Friday night before the Texas A&M game. So you're going to be looking for something to do. Your chances are you're going to go and want to go out and congregate with Mississippi State fans, maybe have an adult beverage. Come do it with us at Hobie's as we celebrate Rock Vegas. If you had not done so, go to dogpilethebook.com, and you can get all my sports books there. You get signed copies. We sold a bunch over the weekend. A lot of folks came to town and uh, bought a Bookmark Cafe and Canvas Bookmark. A lot of people in town uh, buying Dogpile, and I thank you for that. If you're looking for personalized copies, of course, uh, catch me at a book sign or go to dogpilethebook.com, and you can get all my sports books signed like to a friend or to a family member. It's a gift with a personal inscription. I'm happy to do that for you. And if you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can find it at Amazon. You can find it at barnesandnoble.com, booksandmegan.com. Stark Villains gear always available at starkvillains.com. Uh, a lot of people have had some interest in those shirts as of late. A lot of people say, hey, I want to get this. I want to get this. Well, you need to get it because we're going to be making some changes here uh, probably turn of the year. So I think it's going to keep things fresh. So uh, be sure and check that out. And, again, this is going to be a great week. It's a chance for us to go out to Pac-12. And, listen, I'm a little bit worried about the time and the travel and all that kind of stuff. And maybe I'm overthinking it, right, because that tends to happen. I'm not playing in a game, so it doesn't matter what I think. You know, it doesn't matter how I feel. Like, if I want to go ahead and pick all you know, all the remaining games on the schedule, that doesn't change anything. 
like I read people and say, hey, we just need to be focused on this. We're not playing in a game, guys. We're not coaching in a game. We're just here to talk about it and cheer for the team. So slow your roll. So, again, we'll preview Arizona extensively on Wednesday. And uh, I'm eager to kind of break them down. They have added a bunch of new players. They were a terrible team last year, but they're, they're expected to be improved. And, of course, they get the first win uh, this past weekend. And, and you got to think they're probably thinking, okay, we can beat these guys from Mississippi State. So I guess we'll see. I'm eager to get out there and go and see how Will Rogers and those guys can throw it out there in the desert air. Eager to see how the ball travels there compared to here. We won't be having to knife it through all this humidity. So maybe we're even more, you know, potent as an offense. We'll see. Take some time to get used to that. Now, from what I understand, the uh, the team is going to travel Friday. I think we land at 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. We'll have a walk through there. Everybody goes to bed, and then we're up like all day. And that's the challenge, I guess, if you're, if you're Mike Leach, is do you just let the kids sleep in and you start your, your schedule at noon? Well, the problem is, you know, and I'm, I'm an older guy, you know, so it's like I begin to think to myself, number one, I can hardly sleep late anymore. But if I, when I was a college kid, you could sleep all day. But it's like if you let people sleep and get, you know, 10, 12 hours of sleep, it takes a while to get them going. But then the challenge is if you get them up, then they're there all day, right? Then it's like all that, what do you do? You lay around and watch college football. It's a late kick. Maybe we're making too much of that. Maybe because many of our fans, of course, are going to have to start watching a game at 10 o'clock at night and may not be able to have the endurance to finish it. Maybe you should sleep late on Saturday. But my point being is that um, it's different. Scheduling is different. You travel you're acclimating to a new time zone, and then you've got to kind of just lay around all day. What does that do for us? And if you get guys up early enough, they'll want to take a nap, and then can you get them going again? You know, so it's a big challenge. And we, I guess the last time we had an 8 p.m. start was when we played Southern Miss back in 15 down in Hattiesburg. And we kind of slept, walked our way through that early in that ball game. So, you know, for them, they're there. They're used to this. But even that, it's a later kick for them too. So they're having to adjust, just not quite as dramatically as we are. So – I just lay that out there because uh, that's something that I, I just consider. I'm interested to see how that kind of works out. All right, that's it for today, man. You guys be kind to one another, uh, love each other, and be grateful for the win. Uh, we know we can never take anything for granted, and I think we played pretty well. We, can we play better? Absolutely we can. I'm eager to see what Mike Leach says today uh, after l- watching the tape and uh, get his thoughts on, on the coming game against Arizona. So. Uh, We'll again, full coverage later today over at jeanspage.com. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.